Good evening, brethren. I understand you had a great crowd this morning. I'm sorry that I missed that. I know Paul did an excellent job. And congratulations to Frank and Cherry on 50 years. Cherry, I think we can all say that your patience is greater than Frank's love for ice cream. And that's something. Jesus used parables in many of his lessons because they brought forth a picture that people could see, a comparison, an analogy. I like analogies. They help to, to illustrate the difference in things. Tiffany's husband, Alan, asked me one day how far it was to get somewhere. And I was trying to explain it to him, and I said, it's about like driving from here to Troy. He said, I hate analogies. <laughs> I said, I'm trying to get you an idea of, of how far it is to get there. Some people don't like, don't like analogies, and you can be wrong if you want to. That is your privilege. But some of us do, and Jesus used those to illustrate points. If you will turn to Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at the parable of the two debtors. Jesus had gone into Bethany. He had taught. And is usually the occasion someone would invite Jesus to their home. In this case, it was a man named Simon. Now keep in mind that Simon was a common name in this time. And while Luke does not refer to him as a leopard, the other three writers do. Matthew, Mark, and John refer to him as Simon the leper, not to be confused with Simon Peter, who was an apostle and a disciple and one that we're all familiar with. Why the distinction was not made, I don't know, but you know, everybody looks at things in different ways and we all draw different conclusions from different situations because of the way that we look at it. But Jesus used this analogy to this parable to help us to understand the debt that we owe for the forgiveness that we have of our sins. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin reading in verse 36. Now, Jesus had taught. He had drawn a considerable crowd, and some people just like to do things to be seen. And as I read this parable, it seems to be that this might have been the case with Simon. He wanted to be prominent. He wanted to be known among the people as one who could entertain someone who had the notoriety that Jesus had. But if we draw the conclusion that, that Jesus draws from this parable, Simon was not really sincere in his belief. Read with me, if you will, beginning in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman that this, that this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. And there was a certain creditor, which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which one of them loved him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and Jesus said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. 
And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins? And he said unto the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Where is our gratitude? And this is just a generic question. Where is the, the gratitude that we have for the debt that was paid for the forgiveness of our sins? Do we show our appreciation in the way that we live and in, in the lives that we live and the way that we conduct ourselves? Or are we like Simon who don't show our appreciation by the things that we do? Here was Jesus who had come into his home as the custom was that the roads were dusty and people's feet were usually dirty because they wore sandals, the dust would cover their skin and, and they were provided with utensils to clean themselves. But Simon didn't take the opportunity to show his appreciation and Jesus brought it to his attention. Jesus accepted the invitation to eat at the Pharisee's house. Jesus was a generous man. Jesus was one who sought every opportunity to teach, and he used this occasion to drive home a point that we should be grateful for the debt that he paid. This woman was a sinner, as the Pharisee said. If we consider this circumstance, Simon was a Pharisee. He was also a leper, and if we consider the, the situation back then, if he was still contagious, no one could have entered into his house. It was obvious that he had leprosy and he had been healed. It's possible that Jesus cleansed his leprosy. Possible that Jesus did this and then Simon invited him into his house. But yet here's this man who is a Pharisee and one who had been known as a leper looking down on someone else because he says she is a sinner. Some writers say she was a prostitute. But the contradiction is this. Why was she in his house? She was not a stranger. Surely he invited her in. So if he invited her in, if he welcomed her in, why was he looking down on her? There's some things that just don't add up, as we would say. Here is one who was a sinner himself, a Pharisee, considered unclean by some, looking down on someone else. And Jesus is using this opportunity to drive home a point that we should all be grateful for the blessings that we have. She brought in an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, chapter, uh, chapter 7 and verse 37. And then she stood behind him weeping. She wouldn't even stand in front of him. She knew who he was, she knew what he was capable of, knew what he did, and she stood there weeping at the opportunity to meet Jesus. And then as we continue reading, we see that she washes her feet, his feet with her tears. 
It's probable that she washed his feet, but as she washed his feet, that her tears mingled with the water that she was using. Not that she cried enough to wash his feet. I guess it was certainly possible, but most likely her tears mingled with the water that she was using. She was so grateful for the opportunity that she had, so thankful for the burden that had been lifted off of her. I remember when my younger brother Timmy was, was baptized. I talked with him from time to time and had seemed to get nowhere. As most people do, they will acknowledge what you say and, and agree with what you say somewhat. And I sent him muscle and a shovel. Now, keep in mind that Timmy is my half-brother. We were, I was raised by my father. He was raised by my mother. And we never really had a lot of contact with each other. If anybody contacted the other one, I would call him. He had never before called me in his life. I sent him muscle and a shovel. Two days later, he called me at work. It was 8.30 in the morning. He called me excited. He said, Robert, this is exactly what I've been looking for. This answers all of my questions. And he was excited because he said, I feel like the weight of the world has been lifted off of my shoulders. I got in contact with the uh, church where he lives and he was baptized a short time later. And this is gratitude, brethren one who appreciates the burden that's been lifted off of them, appreciates the blessings that they have in Christ, knows how to turn their life around and can see, can see hope where before they had saw none. This is the picture that I get when I read of this woman who is washing Jesus' feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. She had lived a life of sin. She knew what she had done. And she was grateful that this burden had been lifted off of her. This is gratitude, brethren. And finally, we read in verse 38 that she kisses his feet and she anoints them with oil. We'd have a hard time kissing people's feet, wouldn't we? We would have to be really, really grateful in order to kiss somebody's feet, wouldn't we? Even though we had just washed them. But that is what she did. She was so grateful for the blessings that she had, for the salvation that, that she was to receive, and for the fact that she could turn her life around. You know, this world is filled with people who have made a train wreck of their lives. They have. I know people like that. Given no thought whatsoever to the manner of life they were living, thought that this is just the way it is and saw no hope. This woman had made a train wreck of her life. And when that train was put on the right track, she was so thankful that she kissed Jesus' feet. This is gratitude, brethren. He uses the, the parable of the two debtors. One owed 500 pence, one owed 50 was a great sum of money. Some authors say that a pence was perhaps equivalent to a day's wages. So one owed 50 days wages. The other one owed basically a year and a half. 
and they could not repay. But the creditor forgave them, and Luke says, frankly, he forgave them. It's just a, a matter of fact, like it was no big deal. It was just something that he did. Perhaps he thought of them as good people, as honest people. Maybe they were, were good employees or, or had done something for him that he thought they deserved special attention. I don't know. But Luke just says that they frankly, he frankly forgave them. And he asked the question to Simon. He says, who do you think loved the most? We've been asked questions before. Shelton likes to do this. He likes to ask questions when he wants, to, wants you to come up with the answer. He'll ask a question. The creditor asked a question. He said, who loved the most? And Simon said, I suppose, I suppose the one that owed the most. And Jesus said, you are correct. You know how when you ask questions like this, you know what the, the answer should be. You know what answer they're looking for, but still, there's that little bit of doubt in your mind. Simon said, I suppose the one that owed the most. Or perhaps it could be that he was beginning to see the point of this parable. That he should be more grateful for what had been done for him. He should be as grateful as this woman who had lived a sinful life. <clears throat> But then Jesus goes on to illustrate the irony of the situation. He told Simon, you gave me no water for my feet. But she washed them with her tears and she dried them with her hair. He's beginning to draw the picture for Simon that Simon is not as grateful as he should be. He said, Simon gave him no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet. No common greeting of the day. Simon simply invited him in, but he didn't give them the courtesy that, that guests were usually given in that day. He says, Simon didn't anoint his head with oil, but she anointed his feet with fragrant oil. All of these things Simon should have done as a matter of custom to a normal guest, but he did not do. But yet this woman who he looked down on who he thought was unworthy to even be there for Jesus or for Jesus to acknowledge, she did these things in his place. And then Jesus has drawn the contrast. Who is the most grateful for what they have? Some people misunderstand the first part of this verse. He says, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. It's not that she was get forgiven because she loved. It's the fact that she loved because her sins were forgiven. She appreciated the fact that this burden had been lifted from her life, that she had been given from her past sins. And we need to realize, brethren, that there are people out there who think that they cannot be forgiven for what they've done. That is simply not true. Nowhere in the scriptures are we told that we can sin such that God will not love us, that he will not forgive us if we repent of what we have done. Perhaps she thought this. Perhaps she thought that I'm such a terrible person that, that I have no hope. And then the burden was lifted off of her. I don't know. 
but she was not forgiven because she loved, but rather she loved because she was forgiven. Brother McGarvey, in his fourfold gospel, said her love was a result and not the cause of her forgiveness. There are people everywhere, brethren, who say that they love Jesus, that they love God, and they shout it to the rooftops, and they make big display of, of their religion, and, and they say these things, but that does not validate the fact that, that they are in error. They're not saved because they love, because when they are approached with the gospel, when the true, with the true gospel, they reject it. They will argue with you. They will dispute it. They will give exceptions. They want this emotional, feel-good religion that allows them to live as they are and adapt God to their lifestyle rather than adapt their lifestyle to what God has said. The fact that we say we love God does not validate our salvation. Brother McGarvey goes on to say that our sins are not forgiven because we love God, but we love God because our sins are forgiven. And he says, such is the inference of the parable and such the teaching of the entire New Testament that we show our love for God in what we do. Simon did not do this. Simon was one of those who took for granted what had occurred. There are people, brethren, who think that because of what they are and who they are that, that they deserve things. Because they have money, because they have prestige, they deserve things. Sometime back, uh, for those of you who follow baseball or familiar with Barry Bonds, he was a, uh, a famous baseball player, was on steroids, but that's another story. But as celebrities are, you know, most of them don't pay for anything. Because of their notoriety, people just give them stuff. Go into a store to get clothes and people say, well, just take it. We're just proud that you're here. Well, Barry Bond's son went into a store and thought because he was Barry Bond's son that he could walk out without paying. And he was arrested. And he didn't understand why. He seen his daddy do this. He thought that it was his right to go in and take this stuff without paying. People don't know how to express gratitude, brethren. People don't know how to be grateful. We live in a, in a society that feels that, that everyone is entitled to things. I was listening to, uh, and I cannot remember the, the woman's name that was just elected as a senator up in New York. She said that... Uh, we should give everybody free money. Because if we give everybody free money, nobody's going to have to work. And everybody can get the things that they want. And never stopping to think that somebody's got to make this stuff that we want. And somebody's got to print that money. And somebody's got to make that ink that that money's printed on. And make the material that the money is printed on. And, 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 and she thinks that everybody's entitled Everybody's entitled to money, and everybody's entitled to a situation where they don't have to work. 
when we work for things, brethren, we appreciate them more. Because in a sense, we earn these things. Our labor goes into these things. Our sweat and our, our tears go into these things. Simon was one, it seems, that, that did not appreciate things. He was a Pharisee, a tax collector. No, he's used to people buttering him up, perhaps giving him something under the table or whatever. But this woman who was a sinner knew, knew what she had. You know, people who have never had things appreciate things more when they get them. You take a, a young boy who has never known a father, who is suddenly given attention by a man and treats him like a son and, and he appreciates it. You take a man who has struggled all his life to make a living, then, then suddenly he gets a job or, or something where he can provide for his family the way he wants to and he appreciates these things. We need to appreciate what we have, brethren. Those people who are converted in the church from the to the church from the world, a lot of times have a greater appreciation for what they have than those who are raised in the church. Because this is all that we've known. We hadn't known the, the hardships and the, the pitfalls that go with living a worldly life. And while we appreciate what we have, we don't appreciate it in the way that a person who has come out of the world does. This woman come out of the world. She knew what she was leaving behind. She was thankful that she was able to leave that lifestyle and gain something better. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It was not her love that saved her, but it was her faith that saved her. Her faith that led her to be obedient, to do the things that that were necessary. It was her faith that brought her to Jesus, her faith that led her to wash his feet and dry them with her hair. Her faith led her to shed tears. The more that we are aware of the forgiveness we have in Christ, the more we will love and serve him. Have you ever sat down and just thought of the things that you have been spared because you're a Christian? Have you looked at people in the world and the, the circumstances that they get in? Have you ever said, thank you, Lord, for saving me from this? There's a, a Facebook page called uh, City Watch Uncut. It's, it's a, a place for people to report crime that's happened in Montgomery. And brethren, it is bad. People stealing, shooting each other, uh, all these things. And, and as I read these reports, I am so grateful, so grateful that I don't live this type of lifestyle. We had a, a man called just this week. He, he lives in Chisholm. He wants a security system for his house. He said, I just want a keypad and two motion detectors. He said, I don't want an infrared motion detector. I want a real motion detector. He said, infrared won't do any good because I don't air condition my house. Because if I air condition my house, somebody would just steal it. 
he wanted four cameras. I said, do you want a DVR? He said, no, somebody would just steal it. We don't have to worry about this because we don't associate with people like this. It's bad out there, brethren. And if we look at the, the situation that the world is in, we should each of us be on our knees thanking God that we're spared from these things. We should be of the mindset that this woman was, that we weep when we think of the blessings that we have in Christ. We need to learn about the nature of sin, brethren. We need to understand what it does to people, what it does to us when we participate in it, how it can consume us and how we can be overcome by it and be like the world and just become a habit. And let's never pay attention to it. In James chapter 2 and verse 10, James says that even though we keep the whole law, if we stumble in one, we're guilty of all. We watch ourselves pretty close that, that we don't lie and, and steal and, and hurt people and, and do the major sins, but sometimes we overlook the small things. And sometimes it's not necessarily sins of commission, it's sins of omission that we're guilty of. That we're not doing the things that we should do. Are we showing our gratitude by our Christian lives? Are we caring for our brethren? Are we caring for the sick? Are we caring for the poor like we should be? You know, one of the uh, grievances that God had against the Israelites in the book of Amos was that they abused the poor. They just assumed it was their right to take from the poor. And there were a number of times in the book of Amos that God drove home this point. He's not speaking of those who are less fortunate. He's talking about those who are destitute. They were guilty to the point that they were even stealing the, poor, the clothing of the poor, taking their coats and making them freeze in the winter. Sometimes it sends up omission, not doing the things that we should do, caring for others. As James said, if we stumble in one offense, well, then we're guilty of all. We should realize that, as Romans 6.23 says, that the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 59 says that sin will separate us from God. And as we examine our spiritual lives, brethren, we need to look closely at ourselves and ask ourselves, are we grateful for what we have? Are we thankful for our blessings? Do we show it by the way that we live? Do we express our appreciation to others? This woman who was a sinner, who was looked down upon by others, she was one who appreciated what she had. Simon, one who had, it seems, everything, just took it for granted. And Jesus asked the question, who do you think loved more? How much have we been forgiven of? We ask God every day to forgive us of our sins for our shortcomings. I appreciate Jim's prayer when he said, forgive us of 
our unforgiven sins. What sins do we have that are unforgiven? What should we be asking for? We should be grateful as we partake of the Lord's Supper, remember what Christ did for us, that he gave himself on the cross, that he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and we should be as this woman was, that we are indeed extremely thankful for what Jesus did. It was no small thing, but it was a great thing. Finally, brethren, let us ask ourselves, do we treat Jesus like Simon did? Do we bring him into our homes, into our lives, and then treat him as a casual guest? Do we just get him when it's convenient? Read our Bibles when we have nothing else to do? Do we serve God when it's convenient, or, or do we serve him at all times, whether it's convenient or not? When we are put to the test, what do we do? Do we go the extra mile? Do we make that extra effort? Or do we use a convenient excuse? You know, Daddy used to ask me all the time, he'd say, I, I've heard your excuse, now what's your reason? And there is a great difference in the two, brethren. Great difference in an excuse and a reason. We need to think more, brethren, along the lines of gratitude for what we have. If we appreciate the blessings that we have in Christ, our service to Christ will be greater. We will put more effort into what we do. We will appreciate what we have, and we will show it by the way that we live. Do our words show our appreciation? Do our actions show our appreciation? We have a contrast here of two, two creditors. One was forgiven much. One was forgiven somewhat less. But they were both forgiven. The error was that one appreciated it more than the other. One took it for granted. The other did not. I ask you this evening, brethren, are you saved? Have your sins been forgiven? Do you appreciate the fact that Jesus died for you? Are you thankful for what you have? Or are we as Simon, and perhaps we just take it for granted, and we go through the motions every Lord's Day, and, and every Wednesday we come and we sit, and then we go home and we forget. Let us show our appreciation by the way that we live, brethren, by our actions, by our words, to those around us, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our neighbors. We are the example that they see. And if they don't see us taking Christ seriously, who is going to teach them? I ask you, brethren, are you right with God? I appreciate the song that Conrad led. We don't sing it very often. Uh, you never mention him to me, and that song always hits home. And one thing I appreciate about Shelton is he's always, always looking for someone to teach. I, I've seen him teach customers. I, I've seen him try to reach employees. Um, a very good example. And not meaning to put Shelton on the spot, but I appreciate what he does.
But some people, some people do not grasp the concept, brethren, of Christian love. Got a man at work, had a stroke a while back, have tried repeatedly to help this man. The only thing he understands is that if you do something for me, I owe you something in response. You cannot make this man understand that Christian love is service to others. And he cannot understand the concept of Christian love because he's lived in the world all his life. Do we show that example to others, brethren? Do we show Christian love to others so that they may see Christ living in us? If you are not a Christian, we encourage you to respond to the gospel, to hear the word. If you do not understand, we'll be glad to study with you. Hear the word, believe it, repent of your sins, be baptized into Christ, and then live faithfully that you may receive that home in heaven. Perhaps if you are a Christian, there are things in your life that, that are not right. Maybe there's something that you need help with. You need the prayers of the church, whatever you need, brethren, if you come while we stand and sing. Someday you'll stand at the bar on high. Someday your record you'll see. Someday you'll answer the question of life. What will your answer be? What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your answer be? Sadly, you'll stand if you're unprepared. Trembling, you'll fall on your knees. Facing the sentence of life or of death. What will your sentence be? What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your answer be? Now is the time to prepare, my friend. Make your soul spotless and free. Wash in the blood of the crucified one. He will your answer be. What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your